Chronicle columnist Heather Knight. Today on Fifth and Mission, we're hearing from Dr. Andre Campbell, a trauma surgeon and ICU doctor at San Francisco General Hospital. He's giving it to us straight about the coronavirus, how bad it's going to get, what the hospital is doing to prepare, and what the average person can do to help ease the crisis. I'm the host of San Francisco City Insider, a podcast about city politics, and this episode will play on that channel as well. Listen to San Francisco City Insider on Friday for a second episode with Dr. Campbell about pedestrian fatalities, homicides, and daily life at the city's sole trauma hospital. Dr. Andre Campbell, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Thank you so much for having me this morning. Uh, It's a privilege to be here uh, to talk about some of the things I do on a day-to-day basis. Yes, you're a very busy man, and I appreciate you making time, which I understand is because of COVID-19 shutting down where you were supposed to be this morning. Where were you planning to be? Well, as we discussed offline, is that the American College of Surgeons Committee on Trauma, which is where I'm supposed to be in Chicago right now, decided last week to cancel because of the risk of to the membership of spreading the virus. Mm-hmm. As you know, one of the reasons why it spreads is because you're in a big room with 500 people. So a lot of things have been going on in addition to the fact that many universities have put in travel restrictions and kind of changed things in addition mm-hmm. to the hot zone countries. It's an international organization. So mm-hmm. people would come from Asia, uh, China, the Far East everywhere. And as a result of that, they decided that the safest thing to do, the prudent thing to do would be to do it. So when it happens today, I have multiple Zoom conferences where I have to do. So they're trying to sort of change it. But that was a last minute thing because mm-hmm. as of last week, we had set everything up. So uh, as I call the airlines, I'm one of many thousands and thousands of people who are now getting to change their reservations mm-hmm. because of uh, this virus outbreak. Right. I'm sure hundreds of doctors getting sick is the last thing we need right now. So that was probably a good decision. Especially since one of the outbreaks I just read about yesterday was related to a Biogen conference in oh, Boston wow. where 72 cases were were basically started from that out, from that conference. So it's it's making people who have conferences really think twice about having the meeting because that is a nidus for a spread. Right. Well, I think the big overarching question people have right now is how bad is this going to get? Are we overreacting? Are we underreacting? What do SF general doctors anticipate in the next few weeks? So what I think we have to do is we can't be Italy as much as I love Italy. Italy is mm-hmm. a fantastic place. But Italy is, Italy is totally in lockdown for 60 million people. And I think what they did not appreciate is that they were not able to bend the curve any epidemic has a bell-shaped curve, and that's something that I've kind of been reading about and learning about as we learn more about this, uh, that you don't want it to be straight up and vertical. You want it to be more flat because people are going to get this virus. They're going to get sick. The people who get sick are usually older people and not younger people like most other airborne or this is a droplet type of infection. That's mm-hmm. how it's kind of spread. So mm-hmm. what we're doing is we basically have moved into uh, a disaster planning mode where we're getting ready to up the number of people who may have it. And we have a, a plan for it. We have X amount of people who come in with it. But in San Francisco, as you know, there's already been several cases mm-hmm. of the virus uh, striking and people have taken and come into the hospital, not only us, UCSF, other places uh, who've had the virus before. So that's a, that is a real thing. Mm-hmm. You're already seeing patients at SFD. Yeah, we're, we're, there's a lot of rule outs because remember, seasonal flu is more common. 
Uh, so people have seasonal flu, they may have a common cold, but they may not have this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because of issues related to testing, we have not been able to truly determine the amount of people who have it. So as of today, there may be a thousand people, but tomorrow it'll be two or three thousand, and then it's going to go up because people are now being tested. Mm-hmm. But I assume that every state will be affected. Mm-hmm. The things like what happened in New York, you may have seen yesterday, where a, an attorney had traveled around New Rochelle, and there was now an outbreak in New Rochelle, and they've had to uh, institute really extreme means, like bring out the National Guard, put up checkpoints, do all that stuff, and that is because there was such a big outbreak. Mm -hmm. But if you can contain it and uh, mitigate stuff, things like simple things like hand washing, staying away from sick people, if you're sick, stay home, these are things that are pretty common that we should do more of that. Don't touch your face, which is, yeah, it's hard to do. <laughs> Especially because when every, you think of it, you want to touch everybody, your face. Yeah, everybody wants to scratch their face. Mm-hmm. They want to scratch their nose. All these things that are things that you do. So what we're doing is getting ready as if we would have a large number because things that happen there are, are quite, and especially in the north of Italy where they first shut down with 60 million people. That's where they set up being, there are different modes of crisis. There's the normal uptick that we have every day. And the second step of disaster is a disaster where you have large numbers of people, and that's where you have probably 30, 40, 50 people coming in. There's crisis. Crisis is enduring a disaster where it's the extreme, where you're, you're trying to provide as best care as you're possible. What we're trying to do is avoid going into a crisis mode where things are just – we are not able to provide the high-level care that we're used to providing at the Zuckerberg San Francisco General Hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think that um – the most likely scenario is going forward at SF General in the next couple of weeks. Are you anticipating the crisis? Or? Yeah, we're going to have a surge of people, mm-hmm. and it's going to get worse because it's going to get worse before it gets better. This is a real serious problem. This is, I think, we the infectious disease folks, and I'm not an infectious disease person. I'm an ICU doc and trauma doc and a general surgeon, so I deal with disasters and people get sick a lot. And I've been tr- and taking care of people in ICUs over three decades, so I know what that's like. I've been through, believe it or not, I've been through the HIV epidemic, seeing what that looks like. I've been through SARS. I've been through MERS. I've been through H1N1. And those kind of, H1N1 actually started here in the United States. And that was handled one way because people just got really sick really fast and just died. The thing is that probably 80% of people who get this will recover, but the people who get sick are people above 60, older folks. I think the action that was taken on the cruise ship that just came to Oakland mm-hmm. yesterday was a good idea, trying to get people off the ship because they found that what they did in, in Japan where they had that ship on isolation that they actually created the huge, the largest outbreak outside of China before Italy uh, became a problem because what they did is they had everybody – here I go scratching again. <laughs> yeah, so what happened was the, uh, they triggered an outbreak that basically because they were not – doing things they should, not having experts involved. So I think we have to let the experts like Dr. Anthony Fauci, the head of the, the head of the CDC, the doctors who do who travel and do epidemics, they have to lead the way. This is not, I think, a political crisis. This is a an epidemic. That we should just label it what it is. It is a pandemic that is gonna that people have talked about coming for many years. Mm-hmm. And this is just the next wave. There'll be another wave. Now it's coronavirus or COVID nineteen. Next, it'll be another virus will come along, but this is this is just going to be the future because we're so portable. One day you're here, next day you're in Beijing, next day you're in Russia, next day you're in Europe, mm-hmm. traveling Africa. We are so mobile 
now that you can get on a plane and go anywhere at any time. Right. Um, how long do you think the virus has been circulating in San Francisco? There's only a handful of, you know, definite cases, but everybody is kind of assuming that it's been here longer and more people have So I have think it. if you think about what happened, Washington State right now, this is as of today is uh, March 11th, uh, 2020, uh, Washington State has the largest number. And what they found out is that they probably had it there for months and it was in a community beforehand. And that's probably what's, what we're going to find as we go around and we start testing and they start develop the, the problem is we've not been able to test. So, of course, maybe somebody somewhere north of 5,000 tests have been done as of yesterday. Nationwide. Nationwide. So that's not a lot. Um, I think there is, you know, I'm not a an expert in testing, although to say that we should have tests, we should have had it early. I think that uh, the reason why Italy and other places and uh, South Korea, bless you, I like how you how you did that. You, uh, the, Our the producer sneezed, he, but he, he actually turned sneezed away. And he, and he sneezed into his elbow, right? Which is kind of what you got to do. So that's, <laughs> that's good. He's practicing. We're, we're so used to using our hands for everything, right? You know, shaking hands, doing stuff, all these things that we normally do. Uh, you have to you have to do that kind of stuff. So that that is. Um, so I think that the the testing kind of fell down at the beginning. Mm-hmm. We're beginning to ramp up testing and make it more available. Private companies are coming online. It has more people have to be tested because if you only test five thousand people out of three hundred twenty seven million, right? Then those numbers they don't add up. So Washington State probably is an example. It was there. I mean, there's twenty people have died there already. Mm-hmm. Uh, they probably there's somebody probably traveled and it kind of spread it around. You know, we certainly probably have it here. We don't have enough cases to sort of say how long it's been here. But the, the truth be told, because we're, we're on the Pacific Rim, people come here all the time mm-hmm. uh, from China. And the CDC initially was quite stringent about who they would test. Were you exposed? Are you febrile? You know, do you have a cough? Uh, did you travel to Wuhan, China? Well, that's pretty strict. I think they're going to eventually have to relax and we're going to have to test more people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that... Well, I just saw something on social media that Kaiser started drive-through testing. I saw that too. Which I think we're going to have in order to really get a handle on how many people are infected, certainly locally here and then nationally, is we're going to have to start testing way more people mm-hmm. than we tested. Once we do that, then we will have the true sense of where we are in the epidemic climb and whether or not we're going to have a steep climb or a flattened climb. Things like closing schools, things like you know Harvard closed yesterday for they're going to close soon. Uh, they're going to do online stuff, Stanford, UW, USC, and I think the list is going to keep going Do you going support on. all of those kinds of decisions? Yeah, I think that's the way to – until we figure out what's going on, that's the social distancing. I think we're going to have to look at NCAA basketball. I mean, 20, having 20,000 people in one place may have been fun a year ago right. when we didn't have this, but when you're on the up climb, we're going to have to do that. The basketball games, we're going to have to – Do you the think pros. the public health department in San Francisco should demand that the Warriors stop – playing or at least allowing fans to come into the Chase Center? Because as of yesterday, they were still oh, that's resisting. A, that's a very politically charged question. <laughs> that's <laughs> the kinds I like. That I think that we're going to have to think about it seriously. And I think if we get to the point where spread is happening commonly, we can't have these big gatherings. I mean, the city has already, the city, you're talking about the city has already said no big gatherings. Mm-hmm. That is the rule of the city of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So if you think but about, but so far private organizations can do what they want, right? Yeah, but I think we're going to have to really think that we're going to have to sort of say, listen, this is a culture medium, mm-hmm. and we have an epidemic, and we have to we have to stop this. If you could get the Warriors owner on the phone right now, what would you recommend? I would say think about it, and 
I would say at least until we start figuring out what's going on, play the games. You can play because I watch the games all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm sad because they're, so, the they're losing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we're hardcore fans, but we got so spoiled over those five years yeah. where they were the best, and now they're the worst. So, right. but people still go, and I think you, we're going to have to we're going to have to change the way we do things. Mm-hmm. And part of that is we can't have big gatherings. You know, mm-hmm. if we're canceling classes that have a couple hundred people. Mm-hmm in colleges where we're sending kids home, mm-hmm. then I think and Ohio State did it, and that's another school. We're going to have to really look at these big events and say, this is, you know, you can have the event and televise it, but it's only going to be the coaches, the players, and the TV mm-hmm. personnel and because you can still enjoy the game. Right. Uh, but I think you, you then that way the game goes on you still, and nobody gets at risk, at least until we get control of it. Once we get control of this and – uh, it goes because it's got probably going to be like seasonal flu. It's going to – most of the folks I know, ID folks, say that in April it will probably peak. Mm-hmm. March into April it will peak, and then we'll see kind of how it goes. But if we can stop it from getting to the point where it's in Italy, then I think that's what we have. Whatever we have to do that's draconian, we got to do it now. Because mm-hmm. we do it now, then we're going to bend the curve, flatten it. There will be less infections. and By flatten the we'll curve, you safe. mean prevent the rate at which people yeah. are getting the virus. And so the curve I'm talking about, it's a bell curve. The bell curve is a steep up. And a steep down. Mm-hmm. And steep up means more people getting infected. The steeper the curve is going up is the more people get infected. So if this curve is if it goes up and down steeply, more people get infected. So if you want to flatten the curve, bring the curve down, make sure it doesn't go up mm-hmm. at a steep angle, let's say a 90-degree angle or 80-degree angle going up, then what you do is you flatten it out so it's more like a 30-degree angle. So the people who are more vulnerable will get it. It's, it's striking that this infection – has not affected younger people mm-hmm. as much. So kids and young, healthy people are not being affected. It's the over 60 people. Right. I think Dr. Fauci, when he said, don't go on a cruise, that's true. Mm-hmm. Because that's a, you know, it's a fun thing to do, mm-hmm. but don't do it until we got to wasn't so fun on the Grand Princess. Yeah, I talked I to some passengers <laughs> there. That's right. Don't go, don't go on a cruise right yeah. now. Don't go to large gatherings if you're older and you have medical problems. You know, if you're a grandparents, don't interact with kids if they're sick. Not as everybody yeah. is sick. And the main the, reason you want to flatten the curve is so that when other emergencies happen, like you see every day, there are beds available yes. so for we have to who be are able shot to, or hit by a car. I, I read something yesterday that was quite chilling uh, from a doctor who's in the hot zone in northern Italy. And what it said was that the services there were getting overrun so much so that instead of having people in ICUs where they should be, they were in fact, in operating rooms, in on the on regular floors, and they were watching people die because they did not have the resources mm-hmm. to take care of them. So, and we the reason need, we should all care about that is if we get hit by a bus, God forbid, right. then we want a bed to be there. For that's us right. We, that's right. So yeah. we can have that. So so we can because we also for us we're an emergency hospital, Zuckerberg, San Francisco General. So we want to make sure that at San Francisco General, if you get hit, you get you know, run over. Like that's all that stuff is going to happen. It's like when we had like, a couple years ago, maybe. Now, six years ago, we had a plane crash. Mm-hmm. Asiana. Uh-huh. Asiana. When Asiana crashed, we had 68 victims coming to our hospital, and we responded as we should. We, we got rid of people who didn't need to be there. Uh, we expanded our facility, and we were able to cope with 68 victims in the first 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And by doing things that we did, we learned a lot from that disaster, how to cope with large number of victims. That was the biggest uh, disaster in the history of the hospital. And 
this one what we're trying to do is avoid it so that we don't have that. Right. We don't have that because you have – if you have one or two people, not so bad. If you have 10 or 20, not so bad. But if you have 40 or 50 mm-hmm. really sick people, you start to look at your capacity and yeah. what you can do with it. So that's – And you're the only trauma center. In yeah, that's city. right. That's mm-hmm. right. So that's a real problem. So we're going to have to share the burden. We're going to help each other out. And we have to work with the other hospitals in San Francisco to make sure everybody is taking their fair share. When we come back, I'll ask Dr. Andre Campbell how doctors are protecting themselves from the virus and whether the hospital has enough test kits. I'm back with Dr. Andre Campbell. So in terms of preparation at SF General, can you talk about that? Do you know how many test kits you have on hand at the hospital? I don't think anybody knows how many test kits they have. Um, I don't know how many we have. I know that we have been able to, in people who are screen positive, who are high risk, we have been able to test them within the last few days. And Where do you get the tests if you don't have them? Uh, the, public, the Department of Public Health. Oh. Yeah, but the the CDC sent us, I can't, you can't quote me on the exact number, but they sent us a number of kits to use, and then we started doing our local tests too. Mm-hmm. A lot of things relate to delay in testing in Seattle. You probably read that article in New York Times mm-hmm. today where there was some some missteps in Seattle about the testing and who could be testing. There were some doctors who were epidemiologists who were trying to lead the way with doing things and developing our local tests. But we're, the problem is it was not reliability when it first happened. So mm-hmm. the CDC did something great. They sequenced the virus. They basically send it to China so that they could see new what they're dealing with. But you can turn this this thing around. I mean, what they did in Italy is they is by doing those draconian, they actually began to cut down the numbers of people who are getting infected. So mm-hmm. instead of having a thousand, they may have seven hundred. And if you institute measures before you get to that point, mm-hmm. then you can you can control this. Mm-hmm. This is going this is going to be going to get worse before it gets better. But this is something that if you're proactive, you can begin to control what's uh, what's going to happen in the future. And do you have extra ventilator, ventilators now at the yeah, hospital? Yeah, we breathing is a big we've had, Yeah, we've had uh, – when we move to a disaster footing, we actually have extra ventilators that will, that are here. And we always have a, a large number of ventilators available mm-hmm. in case because we have – right now, when we moved to the new hospital uh, in 2016 – now, I can't believe how many years ago it's been, right – that – we ended up expanding our ICU capacity. So we went from having 30 ICU beds. Now we have um, on one floor, we have 38 beds. Mm-hmm. Then we have another ICUs on another floor. We have another 20. So we have 58 physical ICU beds, which is way more than we had before. Mm-hmm. So we have almost twice the ICU capacity. And they all have ventilators? No, they don't have ventilators, no. but we can have ventilators okay. in those rooms. So we can. So we have the, the capacity to surge if we need to. And how will hospital staff protect themselves from getting the virus when they're treating patients? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> there are two ways to do it. One is to use the M95 masks, mm-hmm. uh, which are the respiratory drop of precaution mask. And you've seen that they get fitted for you. You put them on your face uh, to do it. I've been told that because I have hair on my face that I'm that I'm a, that I'm a problem and I have to use what's called a papper. A papper is what you put over your head that has its own ventilation system. Uh, we're doing that. So, so what I'm trying to do is slowly but surely cut my hair down on my face <laughs> so, I can, so I can put the mask on. Uh-huh. But we, we've dealt with these things before. I've dealt with multi-drug resistant tuberculosis. Uh-huh. Have you H1 ever gotten sick from treating a patient? No, I'm not. But I don't want to be sick. Right. Right? So you have to you have to be cautious. The yeah. problem is that we don't know enough about this to do it now because most of the stuff I deal with is trauma. Mm-hmm. 
it should not be as a, a big deal. When, when I went into rooms with people who had H1N1 or multi-drug resistant tuberculosis, I just assumed everybody had it. And then mm. we sort of took extra precautions, washed our hands, did all that stuff. And because of that, I was, I was in New York in the middle of the, the outbreak of multi-drug resistant tuberculosis. And this is when, uh, Tom Frieden actually came to New York from India where he was actually giving, he started this procedure with, with having witness treatment for tuberculosis. And when you watch people take it, when they come in every day, we were able to cut the amount of resistant tuberculosis down by having people do that. And that was a technique that actually changed the way that we did things. Next to my hospital, I, I trained at Columbia PNS, so New York Presbyterian Hospital, uh, up in, uh, in Washington Heights, and we had a men's shelter across the street from us that had 1,200 men in it every night. Oh, wow. And we had people would come in all the time. And actually, one of my co-residents developed tuberculosis pneumonia and had to actually take three months off because he, he got sick from the per- mm-hmm. tuberculosis. So there's, there's certainly risks associated with what we do, and I sort of say that, that we have to be cautious and careful when we care for other people that we don't get sick ourselves. But there will be people who get sick and have to go on quarantine, mm-hmm. and we're going to have to deal with those issues when they come up. Mm-hmm. Another big tricky question that San Francisco is trying to deal with right now is whether to shut down the San Francisco school district, the public schools. Um, Archdiocese closed down the Catholic schools around the Bay Area yesterday for two weeks. But um, public schools— so The Archdiocese closed it today? Uh-huh. Wow. Yesterday. Um, the public schools remain Well, they've already open. closed down Lowell High School. Right. Because there was a, one case That's right. related there. Uh, you, but... know, you know everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching sfchronicle.com for updates. <laughs> you know everything. Yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's interesting. So, yeah, so I think they're going to have to think about it. And if, we're, if the colleges are doing that, right, then we're going to have to. You know, but the impact, you think about what is the impact of that. The impact is you have people who are working. Right. Who drop Including some kids, in your hospital. Yeah, who drop off kids at school every day who have to go to work. So then if you close the school district, so let's say there, San Francisco maybe has 60,000 kids in the school district, public school district. Right. Private's a different. Public is that. New York has 1.2 million. L.A. has 1 million. So let's say you decide that you're going to take kids who are in school and send them home mm-hmm. for a week or two weeks, whatever we're going to do with that has a major impact on what we're doing. So that means if you're a working mom or dad, you can't go to work or you have to find childcare. Yeah. And that, you know, for a day or two, that's hard enough, but say we're going to close it down for a week. Mm-hmm. So it has to, there has to be a thoughtful discussion about what, what we could do. If, if it comes to that, mm-hmm. certainly a case by case basis, you should, you should close it down, but mm-hmm. it's going to have a major impact. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of kids in the, in the archdiocese schools in San Francisco, mm-hmm. Catholic schools are very popular here. Mm-hmm. So are private schools. I'm not sure what the private schools are doing. Yeah. Also. Weird and shut because um, they had a case. High yeah. school. Mm-hmm. So what would you recommend for listeners who are just regular folks going about their day-to-day business? What can they do to help and prevent getting it themselves? So there's several things that you do. And this is things that I think everybody's heard about and I've already alluded them today. The first thing is if you feel sick, if you have a fever, if you have a cough, do not go to work. So stay home until you feel better. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. Second thing is if you're in contact with people, you know, you have to use wash your hands, right? You have to also use the gel that everybody has. Mm-hmm. Now the reason why there's a run on it is because it's everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's you go to Costco or what have you, then yeah. you, all the the Purell is gone mm-hmm. because people are using it. So make sure you wash your hands constantly. 
wipe off the surface that you're using, be cautious with that. If somebody is sick, uh, don't interact with them as best you can. I think some of the things that are, I just saw a picture and I'll just share with your viewers or listeners this is that I saw a picture where there were two people dressed up in full battle personal protective equipment in Costco. Now, that to me is totally ridiculous. Yeah. Right? That is a relatively low-risk environment uh, to go into, mm-hmm. uh, to do it. Now, if you're in a in a conference with a 1,000 people, th- th- that's different, mm-hmm. right? So, so avoiding big gatherings, we can, if you're sick, stay home, washing your hands, mm-hmm. uh, taking all these precautions. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, 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 it's through the coughing, and the people who are coughing are the mm-hmm. ones who are spreading it. Mm-hmm. So if somebody has a cough, kind of stay away from them or just encourage them to do that. When you sneeze, sneeze like what he did, sneeze into your elbow. Mm-hmm. Don't use your hands because mm-hmm. that's that's what you have. Wash your hands. All the time you're supposed to wash your hands for two minutes, which not sure everybody has patience to do. <laughs> but by doing all those things, I think we can avoid it uh, with doing stuff. So those are simple things that you can do uh, to protect yourself. Yeah. Um, and I know handshakes are out. Yeah. Is there no a, handshakes. Are elbow bumps okay? Elbow bumps are okay. But, you know, I'm a person who I will tend to hug people. Yeah. And I have to stop doing that. Yeah. Right? So hugging people, handshakes. I mean, I'm a big handshaker. Yeah. Like everybody, I shake their hands. That's how I grew up greeting people. So until we, we stop, we, we get through this, which yeah. we'll get through it, we got to stop doing the things that we normally do. Yes. Well, thank you so much for giving us all of this important information. Well, thank you so much for having me, and I wish uh, the listeners good luck with dealing with this crisis that we're beginning to confront here in, in San Francisco and the United States. Thank you so much. Thank you to Dr. Andre Campbell for joining me today, to King Kaufman and Erica Carlos for producing this episode, and to you for listening. Fifth and Mission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod.